So today, um, in this message, we're going to be talking about all the things that we can't do. (laughs) You know what's really popular right now is do-it-yourself, DIY, right? It's really popular. You get those little videos on Facebook or Instagram saying how this is how you can cook this or how you can build that, and it's these amazing things. And everybody says, oh, I want to do that. That's why stores like Home Depot are doing so well because you can go and pick out your stuff. Yeah, you can do it yourself. This is great, right? We, we love these things. But sometimes we find out that we can't do it ourselves. Have you ever been there? There's a whole website. My wife uh, showed me this originally um, from Pinterest, and it's you know, called Pinterest Fails. Have you heard of this? Those of you men, just pretend like you don't know what I'm talking about. But all the women, you know what I'm talking about. Okay? Pinterest Fails because these things look so great, these, and then you try to do it yourself, and it's a major flop. So this website is called PinterestFails.com, where good intentions come to die. I like that tagline. So I just found some of the best Pinterest Fails on this website. So here's the first one. Oh, doesn't that look really cool? This string ball that you put together and there's just light in the middle. And then you actually try to put it together. Uh, not quite like the picture. Okay, let's look at this next one. Oh, that's a beautiful pie or a cake. You know, it looks like caramel apple pie and drizzled with chocolate and caramel. Oh, it looks beautiful. And then you cook it yourself. Not so appetizing. Not so appetizing. And then the next one, oh, this is just a beautiful decoration. Oh, that looks so great, all those little candles together. And then you make it and you light it, you realize it's a fire hazard. It's a fire hazard. Oh, look at this Elmo cake. That'll be perfect for your kid's birthday, right? And then you make it and it's a monstrosity. Oh, that thing's ugly. Oh, isn't this, this is beautiful. Oh, take those... Those little baby pictures, oh, put them in a pumpkin, and then you actually try to put a baby in a pumpkin. <laughs> so these are some of the best, but the, the Internet is littered with these things. And some of you have them in your house, and you're too afraid or too chicken to actually put these <laughs> pictures up online. But we've tried these things, right? You think, I can do it myself. Guys, I can, I, I can fix the sink. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, I heard a few groans right there until the whole kitchen is flooded, right? I've been there. We, we try to do these things ourselves and realize I'm not a professional. It would take me years, decades to master this. I can't do it myself. So we, we figure these things out in a lot of different avenues of our life when we're trying to do crafts or home projects. But we forget about it in our spiritual lives. The truth is that we want to do it all on our own and say, I can do it. I can be a better person. I can try harder. I can do this thing better. But then... When we actually try to do it, we fail, we struggle, we're not good enough. And and sometimes we beat ourselves up, we don't feel good enough, and we're saying, man, but but i got to just do it myself. I mean, that's the American mentality. Buy your bootstraps. Do it yourself. Be the self-made man, the self-made woman. You can do it all. The women, all you have to do is lean in, and then you can have the job and the family and everything, right? But it's so hard. We try to do it ourselves, and when it comes to our spiritual lives, when it comes to our faith, it's impossible to do it ourselves. So I want to start in verse 1. Paul says, You foolish Galatians! Isn't that a great way to start out? Who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the what you heard? Are you so foolish? There it is again. 
After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? So Paul there, uh, he, he really doesn't pull any punches, does he? Foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? You fools. I mean, this is hard language. As we saw in our very first message in this series, that Paul doesn't hold anything back from the Galatians. He immediately says, you have some things wrong we need to fix. And in our series, 100% pure, uh, organic, non-GMO, good news, we're saying, hey, we don't want any junk in our good news in the gospel. We want to get it pure and perfect and right. So he's saying, you got something wrong about the gospel, and I want you to fix it. This is building off what we learned last week when we talked about justification. Because justification, as we talked about last week, is a declaration. God saying as the judge that you are what? Does anybody remember? In the, in the right. In the right. So that's a declaration. You're in the right. Not only are, are you innocent, you're not guilty, but you are doing what's right. That's what Jesus declares when you believe in him. That's what justification is. It's a really important theological concept to understand. Somebody did ask this week, well, isn't that just the same thing as salvation? And uh, I, I tried to explain that last week, that justification is a part of our salvation. Because salvation is everything that God does for us to bring us from a sinner that is lost and going towards destruction to being at the end with him in paradise. So that's all of salvation. Justification is one part. It's the declaration that God says, you're in the right. And, that, and that's why our big idea was last week, quit working for a gift. Right. Thanks, Barry. Quit working for a gift because God says, I have this gift for you. All you have to do is accept it. So we're building off that this week because we're talking about the idea of justification, but also that that justification that God says, you're in the right, you're forgiven, you're, you're part of my family, you're accepted, is not just a one-time thing. It's something that lasts for our entire lives till the very end. So that's why Paul's saying, how foolish are you? You started by believing in Jesus Christ. You received this gift of forgiveness and eternal life. But now you're trying to earn it for yourselves. That's what he said in verse 2. He said, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Okay, what was it? And they're all going to say, well, yeah, it was by believing. That it's by faith in Jesus Christ that we're saved. So in verse 3 he says, are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit? Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? You started by God's Spirit saving you, coming into your heart, changing your life, and now on your own you're trying to do it yourself. DIY salvation. It's DIY salvation. And Paul says, that's foolish. It's foolish. The Spirit started it. Why do you think you can do it on your own now? In um, Greek thought, there was this, this concept that we have this flesh. That's what the term that Paul uses. It, it's, a, it's a Greek word, sarx, and what it means is the human nature we have. We are born into this world, and we are sinful even from birth. We have this sinful nature because our ancestors, Adam and Eve, sinned, and, and that sin has been carried on, and we all deserve judgment because of the sins we do from the very moment of our birth. Even before we're born, we're sinful. And, and that's our flesh, our sarks. And Paul says, that's what you're living in this body. But when you believe in Jesus Christ, you are given the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's why we ask Jesus into our heart. What we're really doing is asking the Spirit of Jesus Christ into our heart. That Spirit lives in us. So while we're still here in the body, while we're still here in this body, we have the flesh still. But we also have the Spirit that's come alongside. So it's this weird uh, era of our lifetime that... Until we die and we're given a new body, a new sarks, 
we still have the spirit and the flesh kind of at war with each other sometimes, right? But as Christians, we have the sea of salvation. In fact, that's what it says in Ephesians 1.13. Ephesians 1.13 says, When you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. So this Holy Spirit is now living in us, inside of our hearts. We have it till the day we die. God's Spirit is living in us. We also have the flesh, and that's why we struggle and we still sin, right? Don't we? Yes, we still do, because we're still struggling with the flesh. But what's so important is that the Spirit is living in you, and like saved you. We, we can admit that, and that's what the Galatians would have admitted too. But then we start to think, I can do it on my own. But if it was the Spirit who saved you, it's going to be the Spirit who leads you throughout your whole life to be right with God, to be saved at the very end. I think it's a lot of uh, what happens when we take medications. Doctors, nurses, those of you in the medical field know what I'm talking about. Because people um, get this diagnosis, whether it's for mental health or physical health, and and they say, okay, you've got to take this medication every day or every week or whatever it is. And then the person starts taking it, and then they start feeling better. All of a sudden, my depression's gone. All of a sudden, my disorder, I've got it under control. And then what do you do? You stop taking the medication. And then things go really bad, get maybe even worse than they were before. Or you're starting to overcome that sickness, and then you're like, I'm doing great. And then, boom, it hits you again, knocks you off your feet, and you're back in the hospital. We we do this with our physical bodies because we think, oh, oh, yeah, I need that medication at first, but now I feel great. I think the same thing happens with us spiritually. We think, I, I, I needed the Spirit to save me. I was a wreck. You should have seen me before Christ. It was terrible. I was doing all this stuff that was awful. Now that I've accepted Jesus Christ, I'm doing great. So we forget and try to do it on our own. We've forgotten what got us saved in the first place. We've forgotten that the Spirit was the one working at the beginning, and it should be the Spirit working in us throughout the whole of our lives. So then Paul's going to jump back into the Old Testament because he wanted to prove to these people who would have... They didn't have the New Testament at that time. I mean, Galatians was just written to them. It's just like fresh off the printing press, right? Fresh written. So they had the Old Testament. So Paul wants to show them from the Old Testament how important the blessing of the Holy Spirit is. So look at verse 6 now with me. Paul says, So also Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles, those are the non-Jews, by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So Paul goes back to the very beginning. Abraham, he's the father of our faith, father of the Jewish faith. Even Muslims go back to Abraham. He's the main guy. So that's why Paul wants to go back to Abraham. He's so important. And he says, okay, Most people get it wrong about Abraham. Most people get it wrong about Abraham. Even to this day, they think Abraham was a very righteous man. He was a great, you know, this great believer. We we love. Why do they think that? Most people say, well, God told him you have to be circumcised. And then he went and was circumcised and had his whole male household, including the adult males, be circumcised. Now, just think about how hard it would be for an adult male to want to do that. You're off your feet for a little while after that. But they all did it. Okay, that's great. Oh, he was so obedient, right? And then you also see Abraham throughout his life do one of the the most obedient thing anyone can do imaginable, right? 
When God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, and go take, take him to the top of the mountain and sacrifice him to me, what does Abraham do? He does it. He takes his son up to the mountain, and he's like, okay, I guess I'm going to do this, and has the knife in his hand about to plunge it into his son and sacrifice him to the Lord, and God provides a ram in the thicket. God says, no, 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 I was just testing you. I wanted to see if you were obedient. So most of us look at Abraham and say, wow, what an obedient man. He worked so hard to be approved by God. But Paul is saying, hey, look in Genesis chapter 15. That's what he's saying. Genesis chapter 15, what did it say? Verse 6, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. God declared that Abraham was in the right, was righteous before he had ever been circumcised. That comes after Genesis 15 as an offering. Abraham was declared righteous because of what he believed, not because of what he did. Paul's saying this is a big deal. We've got to understand, going back to the very beginning to Abraham, it wasn't because he was righteous because of all the acts he did. He was righteous because he believed, don't understand how the Old Testament and the New Testament fit together in our Bible. And next week we're going to talk about that even more. But what we need to understand is that there is one means of salvation through the whole Bible. We forget this. Even Jews of uh, Paul's day didn't get this. They didn't quite understand it. But even from the very beginning, from Abraham, he was declared righteous based on his faith. The Old Testament didn't know Jesus. He hadn't come yet. They looked forward to this Messiah that would come. They said, I'm going to have faith, God, that you will redeem the world. I I don't know when or how it's going to happen, but I'm going to trust you, God, and we as Christians, we look back to Jesus. But we're all saved in the same way, through faith in Jesus Christ. Through faith in Jesus Christ. So this is so important for us to understand. So Paul's saying, hey, even in the Old Testament, even from the very beginning, from Abraham, the father of our faith, he was saved by faith, not by works. Remember that. And then he goes on, verse 10. Now he's talking about the law that came Through Moses, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God, because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. Another thing people don't understand about the law that was given, these Ten Commandments, if you read the Old Testament, it's like Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all those books that you fall asleep reading. Let's be honest. A lot of old laws and stuff. Those were given after God had saved his people. Interesting, huh? I just want to throw that out there. We'll talk about that more next week. After he had saved them from Egypt, he gave them law and said, this is how you should live now, that you are my people and that you are saved. But that Old Testament law is not the way that people are saved. It's not by following a list of rules because, verse 11, clearly no one who relies on the law is justified before God. Why is that? Because it's really dang hard to follow every law. It's really, really hard. There was a book that came out a few years ago by a a Jewish man who wanted to go back to his roots and he um, decided to live for a year. I think it's like living biblically for a year. It's not all the book. Um, so he just wanted to follow all the Old Testament laws. Okay, what you, it described what you can wear, what you can eat, who you can interact with, what you have to do if you get like a sore on your leg. There's all these rules, and he tried to follow every single one of them to the letter law, and it was impossible. It was impossible. No one could do it. 
And that's the problem with the law. If you want to be righteous according to the law, you have to do everything it says to the letter of the law. You have to be perfect. We talked about this some last week. But James, Jesus' brother, picks this up in the letter he wrote in James 2.10. He says, if you obey every law except one, you are still guilty of breaking them all. You're a lawbreaker. You're a sinner. You're not perfect. We, we don't realize this, that it's not good enough to be passing, okay? Nobody's graded on a curve when it comes to God. That's what we all think. You know, I, I, I remember one time with my dad, he asked me to stain some wood that he was using uh, for, like, gardening, for landscaping. And he's like, okay, you've got to stain the whole thing. Uh, okay, so I went in the backyard. I was like 10 or 11, and I stained it, right? But I just went as fast as I could. God, I wanted to get on with my life, right? So my dad came to me later and said, Matt, I, I said I need the whole thing stained. You've got to stain all the wood. And I said, I did, because I had put stain on every single piece of wood. But I hadn't flipped them over. I hadn't gotten the underside. I hadn't gotten all the different sides of the wood. It was not a good job of staining. Because with that, it's like it's not going to be good if it's only half done. It has to be the whole thing done or it's worthless. Okay, this, the law is not like horseshoes and hand grenades. Almost is not good enough. Okay, we've got to do it all. We've got to be perfect. And there's a problem with that. If we try to say, I'm going to be a good person, I'm going to do all these things so that I can be righteous, it's not going to be good enough. God, because we have all sinned. But thankfully, there's the gospel. So Paul is going through the Old Testament now. He's like, shown from Abraham. He's shown through the law. And now he says, there's a gospel. There's good news in verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law is everyone who is hung on a pole. Cursed is everyone. So what is he talking about there? Well, if you remember from your Bible reading in Deuteronomy chapter 28 to the end of Deuteronomy, nobody remembers that. Let's be honest. But at the very end of Deuteronomy, the last chapter of the law of Moses, there's these, these, this section that talks about the curses and the blessing. If you follow the law, all these good blessings will happen to you. It's going to be great for you. You're going to live in the land. You're going to flourish. All these blessings will be upon you. But if you don't follow the law, here's all the curses that will fall on you. You will have to leave the land. You will have to go into exile you're going to be punished. There will be destruction. It will not be pleasant for you. Do the law blessings. Don't do the law curses. Right? And Paul says in verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. Even in the Old Testament, it said anyone who was hung on a wooden pole on a tree if they were killed that way, they would be cursed by God. That was part of the curse. And who was put up on a tree to die? Jesus. Jesus. And he did nothing wrong. He actually did fulfill the law. He did everything right. There was no sin in him, even though he was just like us in every respect. And yet still, he went and hung on a pole and was murdered, executed for a crime he did not commit. And he was cursed by God. And what happens in the gospel, the amazing thing that happens in the gospel, is that the curse we earned 
because we didn't follow the law, is put onto Jesus Christ. And the blessings that he earned by doing the law are given to us. That's at the heart of justification. We talked about that last week, remember? Paul reiterates it here because it's so important that you get this. You were not saved at the beginning because you did good things, because you were good enough, because you fulfilled the law. No, you were saved by faith. First to last. So why, he wonders, why are you now trying to save yourself and be a good person and think, I can earn my way to God? Why do you think I can do it all myself? Paul's going through all of this to point to us, to prove to us that you were saved by faith at the beginning. It's through faith in your entire life that you can please God. Only by faith. And that's why in verse 14, it says, He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham, might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So there he goes back to the Holy Spirit. Because this was the promise given to Abraham, that through Abraham he'd save that one person in his family, and that all the nations would be blessed. And that blessing has now come by the Holy Spirit, that we receive in faith, that we live in, in faith. So this leads us to our um, big idea because at the very beginning of this passage it talked about the Spirit. The very last verse it talks about the Spirit. And what Paul wants us to understand is that the Spirit started it. He's going to finish it. The Spirit started it. He's going to finish it. Right? He started it. He saved you from the beginning. So why do you think you're going to do it on your own now? No. The Spirit is going to finish it by working in you. You know, this Mother's Day, I think we all uh, think about our moms, we think about our wives, those of us um, who have children, and, and I think those of us who are men know that we could not do it without them. Can I get an amen? We can't. You know, we think, oh man, there's no way I could have done this without my wife, mom. The, the, you know, this morning I was trying to do stuff on my own, and there's so many times, I wanted to like be nice and bathe McKinley, you know, for Melissa, and I was doing all this stuff, and I was like, so many times I was like, I wish Melissa were here to help me. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. How do you get the baby out of the tub and all this stuff? She's trying to do it all. And, and Melissa's always there to help me because we know how reliant we are on moms, right? So we know this in our lives, but we forget about it in our spiritual lives that we need help. We try to do it ourselves. I can do it. I can be a better person. I can try harder. I can please God. God, that's why in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because in faith, we're saying, I need the Holy Spirit to help me with this. I need the Holy Spirit to work through to do these things to please God. But the Spirit started, He is going to finish, not us. Not us. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. God started it through His Spirit working in your life. And God's going to finish it throughout your entire life by the Holy Spirit living in you. That's how we please God. That's how we do things that he is happy about. By faith. Trusting that this... Now, I just wanted to show a few things. Throughout the rest of Galatians, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit a lot more. Especially when we get to the end of the book. But I just wanted to just give you an overview of some of the things the Bible talks about. Why we need, what we need the Holy Spirit in our lives to do. In John 14, 26, Jesus talked about his Holy Spirit coming. 
He, he said, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all the things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So if there's ever been a time in your life that you're like, I don't understand what this verse in the Bible means, this chapter, this book. Well, you need the Holy Spirit to understand Jesus' truth. You need the Holy Spirit to help you understand the Bible. That's why a lot of people can be Bible scholars and completely miss the point. Because they're not Christians. They don't have the Holy Spirit to guide them into understanding. You know, we need the Holy Spirit to convict us of sin. In in John chapter 6, verse 8, Jesus said, When the Spirit comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. We need the Holy Spirit to show us when we are doing things that are wrong. Or else we'll think, eh, everybody does it. It's fine, right? If you have that sin then in your life, and you're like, I'd I'd like to get rid of this. I'd like to be more mature. I'd like to stop treating people so poorly and lying and sinning. Romans 8.13 tells us that if by the Spirit you put to death your sinful actions, you will live. So how do you overcome sin? It's not by yourself. It's through the Spirit. What about guidance? Those of you who are like, I wish I had help to figure out what I'm supposed to do in my life. Romans 8.14 says those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. We need the Holy Spirit to lead us in every aspect of our lives. What if you're saying, hey, I don't know how to pray. Uh, Sometimes it's just like, I don't know. This is a terrible situation. I don't even know what to say. I I can't even get words out. How, How can I pray right now? Well, Romans 8.26 says the Spirit comes to help our weakness. We don't know what we should pray for, but the Spirit himself pleads our case with unexpressed groans. Even when you can't pray, the Holy Spirit is helping you pray. Or or what about when you are afraid? What, What about when you just can't even face life? 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power. We need the Holy Spirit in every aspect of our life. I, I could go on, but this is just several of the things that the Bible talks about. It's why Jesus said, Apart from me, you can do nothing. We try to do it on our own, but we can't. We need God's spirit working through us. So what does this mean for us? What does this mean for us? Well, the first thing, this should be a major relief to you, especially those of you who are like, I try so hard, I want to be better, I, I want to get rid of this sin, I want to be a better prayer, I want to be a better person. You should feel great relief knowing that God is going to help you with his spirit. He's going to help you along, leading you. Sometimes you go backwards for a little bit, and then he'll pull you back forward to the right direction. He's going to help you. This should be a major relief to us. We should just be like, oh. For those of you moms who are trying so hard to be the perfect mom, you should feel great relief knowing that God says, you don't have to do it all yourself. I'm going to help you. It should be great relief to us. Um, But here's the other thing. It also means that we're going to need to swallow our pride. Because we want to be able to say, look what I did. Look how good I am. Look where I volunteered and served my time. How faithful I have been. But we've got to swallow our pride and say, even when we did those good things, it was really God's power working through us. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. We have to have faith that God can work through us. Um, I love these two verses back to back in Philippians 2. In Philippians 2, Paul says, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act. I've got to do it all on my own. I've got to work real hard. And then who is it that's working through us? God. It's his spirit. So we need to just swallow our pride and say, God, 
you are the one, even when I do the great things and I think I'm an amazing person and I've really matured and gotten better. It's God who's helped you do that. Let's just admit it. Swallow our pride. Say, God, I need you to do this. So that's the second thing. The first one is relief. The second one, swallow your pride. The third thing is that we need to learn how to rely on the Spirit for everything. This is a challenging one that will take you your whole life to figure out. How can I rely on the Holy Spirit to help me in my life? Now, if you've ever wanted to go, say, visit London, okay, you're not going to go to the local pool and practice your backstroke, right? That would be stupid. You're going to get in a plane and you're going to fly there, right? Okay, if you want to win a race, you're not going to you know, stretch out, get your running shoes on, and then line up on the line next to the Ferrari GTO. Okay, you're going to lose, right? You know in these things in our life, we need help. <laughs> so in our spiritual life, we've got to learn to rely on the Holy Spirit. And then we will go places we've never been before. We will go farther and faster than we ever have before. And we will accomplish things that we never thought possible. Because we couldn't do it on our own. But with the Spirit working in us, we could. So we've got to learn how to rely on the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I just wanted to mention one point right here um, that some of us, you know, struggle when I talked last week about justification. Okay, it's all by faith, not by anything what we can do. Here we talk about it's the Holy Spirit working on, in us, not what we do ourselves. Some of you think, well, doesn't that lead people to just sin and do whatever they want? Because if it's the Spirit working with them, if it's just faith, why would anybody try to be a good person when they just go on sinning? You know what I'm talking about? I remember hearing a story when I was real young against this, and somebody was like, I went to a church, and someone stood up and said, I cheat on my taxes, but I don't care because I'm forgiven. And I was just, so I heard this story. I was like, wow, that's absurd. Because if you have the Holy Spirit living in you, there's no way you're going to continue to do those things throughout your lifetime. Yeah, you might sin. We still have the flesh. But you have the Holy Spirit working in you, convicting you, nudging you, saying, stop it. <laughs> What are you doing? And you're going to want to do something different. The Holy Spirit is going to change your heart and transform you day by day into the person God wants you to be. So for the person who does say, I cheat on my taxes, I don't care, I'm forgiven, what I say is, I mean, it, we can't judge anyone, let's be honest. But if someone is not living, walking with the Lord, if they're not trying to um, follow the Lord and do what's right and, and stop sinning, if they're not doing that, then maybe they don't have the Spirit. I can't judge anyone. Thank goodness that's not our job. But it's almost like, well, if you didn't start with the Spirit, or if, if you're not living with the Spirit, you probably didn't have the Spirit to begin with. And I, I was just thinking of the movie Home Alone 2. There's that scene when they, they get to Miami. The whole family's there, right? There's like two dozen of them. And they take the bag and uh, go, Kevin's bag, Kevin's bag, Kevin's bag, and they pass it all the way down. And then they pass it back up. Kevin's not here, Kevin's not here, Kevin's not here. Do you, do you remember this scene from that movie? Well, what's the problem? Why isn't Kevin there at the end because he didn't even get on the plane to begin with, right? He went to New York City. So when we find people in our lives that are like, I'm forgiven, I can do whatever I want. I can just sin and be an awful person. It's like, well, probably they didn't have the spirit to begin with. We don't judge. Thankfully, that's God. Maybe they're just living in a period of sin and the Holy Spirit hasn't convicted them yet. So we pray for God work in that person's heart. We're not going to judge. We're going to love them. But the truth is, is that the Holy Spirit will change us. And that's why it's a great comfort and encouragement to know that it's by faith first to last. It's by the Spirit from the beginning and to the end. 
that we are saved, that we live the life that pleases God. So I think for all of us, uh, what, what I really want you to think about, and those of you in community groups, you can discuss it this week, is what is the thing in your life that you're trying to do on your own? That, that's really a good application for this week. What's the thing that you're like, I can do it, I can do this, oh, I can do it. Oh. You're trying to muster up all your energy and power. I can do this, I can just push through and, and get through this. Whatever that thing is, whatever that thing is, I want you to learn how to trust the Holy Spirit to help you with that thing. If it's some you know, degree that you're trying to get, I want you to work in me to do this. The Holy Spirit at the beginning, it's going to be the Holy Spirit all the way through. God, I'm going to trust you with this. So for those of you here who are not Christians, and you've kind of been listening, the band's going to come up here in just a minute, and they're going to play a song, Holy Spirit, come. You know, That's what we're going to be singing, and I want you through that song to be asking the Spirit to come into your heart. And for the rest of us, sometimes this means, okay, we have the Spirit. Yeah, it's living in me, but I just don't feel it sometimes. I don't have taking some time to rest to get away from the busyness of life, to turn off your phones and to just take some time and say, God, I need you to come into my life. To take some time and say, I am too busy not to ask for God's help. That's what we think. I'm too busy to pray. Too busy to just sit there and ask God's spirit to come. But we're too busy not to. We have to take the time to do that. We have to take the time. Um, One of my favorite stories as a preacher is of Charles Spurgeon, who's like the greatest... American pre- or one of the greatest preachers, he's British, um, great preacher. And one day, you know, every day he, when he went up to preach, he would be like mumbling under his breath. Somebody finally asked him one day, well, why are you mumbling? What, what are you saying? He said, I'm praying I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. This great preacher who's phenomenal and reached millions, well, he needed the Holy Spirit to just speak. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That's what Jesus said. So when we feel busy, anxious, we need to get away from that. Take time and say, God, I need your Holy Spirit in my life to help me. Um, Lord, help me to just forget about myself, trying to do it all on my own. You know, please get rid of the devil and all of his obnoxious things that he's telling me. Lord, and just have your spirit working in me. And then what you're going to be finding is that at times throughout your day, you're going to feel the Holy Spirit lead you to do things, to pray, to talk to someone, to do something, to, to maybe go into a career or vocation. The Holy Spirit will lead you to these things, and whatever the Holy Spirit leads you to do, do it. Okay? This is a challenge. He might ask you to do something weird. Just do it. Just go along and say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to let you do this thing. And you're going to begin to find that the more you do that, the more the Holy Spirit is helping you in your life. Augustine, the, the great um, early Christian, he said, Without the Spirit, we can neither love God nor keep his commandments. He knew this. We need the Spirit for everything we do. So what is the thing that you're trying to do on your own? What is that thing? And how can you allow God's Spirit to help you do that thing? All right, we'll have the band come forward as I say this uh, final prayer. Um, and, And let's all just together welcome the Holy Spirit and ask him to help us. Lord God, we come to you, um, and so often we try to do it ourselves to be good enough, to try hard enough, to accomplish these things, but on our own, it's a fail. It's not what it should have been. But Lord, we ask that you would work through us, that we would know it's the Holy Spirit in us from first to last, beginning to end, that with the Spirit started, he's going to finish. We don't have to do it. Lord, help us to trust you in everything we do. Help us to be people who walk in the Spirit, 
Learn how to do that. And, and for the person here this morning who has never accepted your spirit into their life, they've never declared Jesus as their Lord and Savior, would you work in their heart right now as we sing this song that we can say, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, come through these words. Amen.